So I'm going to record this along with um, some thoughts that I wrote up for a piece, maybe for the Atlantic, potentially for the New Yorker. I can see this actually going into the New Yorker if I can ever get an audience with what's his name, the famous writer uh, from the New Yorker. And I can't think of his name now. The guy who wrote uh, uh, the dog, what the dog, the dogs uh, he wrote. Oh, what's his name? Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, supposedly I'm meeting Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know. Actually, I think it will happen, frankly. But um, that reminds me, I have to get back to that guy. But um, this, the piece that I'm thinking of is going to be called something like Truth is Pop Art. <laughs> and every time I think about this, it just makes me laugh. In spite of myself, because it's not really funny. It's actually tragic that a culture would confuse that truth could become art. So you have to understand in philosophy, there's a, there's a very fundamental distinction that's made between aesthetics and epistemology, right? So we generally think that whatever the connection between words and truth is, whether it's correspondence or coherence or something else, we think that you, you generally you have to express truths using words. You can't do it with, with art or images. And art, by the way, is a notoriously vague term, and it doesn't necessarily only mean images. And it can't mean just images for the piece that I'm writing because I'm saying that when we're talking with words online, we're expressing aesthetic ideas, not epistemological ideas. And the reason I keep laughing is that that's so fucking ridiculous in philosophy. <laughs> that's like, that's like, you could never figure out who was right or wrong then. And this is why I think that our democracy is in peril. This is actually why I think Biden was onto something, although he probably isn't in on the joke that I'm making. He not... I don't think that this is what he had in mind. And, you know, you can forgive him for not having this in mind. This is, this is not something that a president would entertain necessarily. A president would certainly never say on Memorial Day, by the way, I think our entire culture is now mistaking epistemology for aesthetics. So basically, nobody knows what truth is anymore. And it doesn't matter because everything is aesthetics now. Like that, that would be pretty bad. That would be like the countdown to, you know, D-Day basically, right? To the apocalypse, which probably is what we're doing, actually, if anything like what I'm saying is true or aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> okay, uh, so the... <laughs> The piece, the basically the piece is called, it's going to be called something like truth is pop art. And the, ba the idea is that when QAnon, and here you have, you're going to see my characteristic uh, unconcern for the right or the left. In other words, I throw, I'm equal, I'm equally enthusiastic about throwing them both under the bus to the extent that they're making this more fundamental problem then they are both effects of a common cause as far as I'm concerned, the right and the left, uh, to the extent that they're confusing, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, epistemology with aesthetics. I'm basically unconcerned where, whether it's coming from 
uh, the American right or whether it's coming from the American left. Um, it has the same venomous, deleterious consequence on culture. Um, and so, so I'll, I'll equally sample from both. And I don't know, because I actually don't follow, I don't follow what's going on online. So when I write a paper like this, it has the strength and the virtue of generally being something that no one else is thinking about because I'm not locked into the machinery of the web very much. I mean, obviously I'm on my phone now and I use Google to do research and so on, but I don't participate in anything other than LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, all I'm using it for is the promotion of my book. I don't actually read anything on there or do anything. They get every now and then they try to recruit me to, to be like director of data science or something. And I generally don't even respond to that which is probably why I'm living in a small town in Texas, but that's another story. Um, so like, I don't have ready-made examples. Like I'll have to say like, what the fuck is QAnon again? Like I'll have to go look it up because I don't really know because I don't pay attention. But my, my point is that my piece will have the strength of nobody thought about that. Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at this. We didn't really, right? But it'll have, it has the weak, it has the initial weakness, not the published weakness, but the initial weakness of, so what's going on? <laughs> like, who are, who are the conspiracy theorists on the right? Who are the people that everybody, uh, you know, like, who are the people, who are the, pro the troublemakers? And I know most of what I know about the left, I know from Sam Harris. Like, I know, and this is one of the few, like, I don't always agree with Sam Harris, but this is one of the, he's one of the few people where almost everything he says about the, however you want to put it, I guess the category is woke, the merry wokesters. I've started calling them the merry wokesters. And they're anything but merry, by the way. They can't manage to laugh about anything. That's one of the hallmarks of people that are woke is that they have zero sense of humor. Like, they just can't find a way to laugh about anything. Uh, while they're ruining the world, you might as well chuckle. Um, but, if, but if they're chuckling, they're doing it in complete privacy uh, at the secret woke meetings. <laughs> but, uh, like, I don't know. Like, so from Sam Harris, I think I do understand the problem with that particular virulent strain of American culture that comes almost exclusively, in fact is definitive of much of the American left right now. Very, very unfortunate commentary on the American left that that would be any kind of major part because they are completely at odds with truth, right? So if something, what I mean by them being at odds with truth is, is that if something is uttered that is in fact true, but that contradicts whatever the, you know, soup de jour is for the wokesters, which would have to be some sort of racial and gender equality thing, right? Some sort of unhinged, ridiculous, angry, racial and gender equality thing. Let me modify that with the appropriate adjectives as if racial and gender equality is a bad thing. It's not. But the way that they are addressing these issues is 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 terrible actually it is a bad thing so it would have to be something like that for them and if something then is in tension with or contradicts or even is suggestive of some 
opening up the discussion to some deeper discuss, like deeper set of truths, even if it's not contradicting, even if it's not openly in defiance of some truth or set of facts that are uttered, right? If it's just suggestive that they have a shallow, uh, you know, a too shallow and simplistic take on things and they should open that up to a wider, wider framework, um, you know, even that suggestion, hey, you might want to think about this in a larger epistemic container than the one you're currently inhabiting, like that will just be met like in Texas, we have these fire ants and the, the hallmark of the fire ant is, is no matter who the hell you are, if you're any organism at all, right? I think they only distinguish between like plants and animals. So like if a, if a, if a, a mouse walks across a fire ant hill, like all the fire ants just have a me mechanical response to anything getting near them, which is to jump on you and stick a stinger in their butt. It's like, you know, it's not literally in their anus. I'm sure they like they have their stinger is actually, but it's in their, the rear of them. It looks like their butt, right? Cause it's an ant. You don't really, you're not looking at their anatomy in any detail. They have a stinger in their butt. And they, what they do is no matter what you are, if it's my foot, a, a grasshopper, you know, uh, one of those things that come out every 17 years, a cicada, you know, a, 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 an ant from another, if it's just, even an ant that's not a fire ant, what they do is they automatically, mechanically jump on that thing and stick the stinger in their butt into that thing and inject venom. That's just what they do. A bird foot, my foot, fucking anything. It doesn't matter. That's what they do. And I get if you dropped a leaf, they would go, oh, it's not. Somehow they like in their brain, they know it's a leaf, right? It's like organic matter, but it's not actually a threat because it's a leaf. And then they won't, they'll go, oh, okay, whatever. But anything else, they got like a fly, fuck it, jump on, stick stinger from butt in. And so that's kind of like what... <laughs> That's what woke people do. If you even suggest that you need to talk about this in a deeper, they go, fuck it, jump on person, stick stinger in woke butt in. And that's just, you know, and so that's not good. That's not good. That has nothing to do with truth. In fact, that's almost guaranteeing that truth can't get into that discussion. And so, um, yeah, I forgot where I was going. Okay, and so I'm gonna use that as an example which is tricky if I'm getting this into the Atlantic, but even the Atlantic is kind of like, yeah, some of this stuff is kind of too weird. It's kind of gone too far. Right. And, and then I'll use something on the right. I'll just use a smorgasbord of examples that I don't exactly know yet, but it's easy to find. That's one of the great things is like, if you have the big idea, you can fill in the details by just getting online for 15 minutes and Googling around and finding out what everybody's talking about. Just Google QAnon, Google right-wing conspiracy nuts, and you'll get a list of names. Google woke bullshit, you know, and you'll get a bunch of stuff, right? Like you'll just get all the stuff that you need. That's not the problem. The problem is getting the idea. And so, so yeah, so that's what I'll do. And the basic idea is that whether on the right or the left, and again, this is a hallmark of what, of, my of what my work is, is because one of my hypotheses is, is that 
There's too many fire ants in culture on the right and the left, and I don't want to be another one. So I'm trying to point something out that everyone can absorb, everyone can read, everyone can appreciate. And so, so yeah, that's, that's what I will do in that regard. And then what I will do is um, I'm going to make this argument that the fundamental problem that Biden was pointing to President Biden uh, on Memorial Day when he said that democracy is in peril from misinformation and conspiracy and all this is that what's underlying that, that's the effect of a prior cause, which is we've reached this point in Western history where epistemics and aesthetics are starting to bleed together. So that presentation is becoming a surrogate for truth. So that what we mean by truth is just that it stirs things up. It makes an emotional connection with a large number of people. So it's like the social media definition of truth has a lot more to do with it. it, It's suspiciously like what makes art popular, like pop art, right? Remember the title of the piece is truth is pop art. So pop art becomes popular because everybody looks at it and talks about it. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with truth. When Warhol made, like he made art out of a, a can of Coca-Cola, what he was doing, we, we didn't know, like you don't know, what was he being ironic? Was he making a statement that art is anything? Was he making a statement that look at how bad art has got, has become, has gotten, right? Has become, was he, right? What was he doing? Was it serious commentary? Was it ironic? Was he actually, was he actually saying, something about art or something about the world or was he actually just exploiting was he part of the very commercial joke was he in on the joke in other words he's making money off of lampooning commercial stuff nobody really knows and he would like he was cagey about it as well like it's it was in his interest to be kind of cagey about it but one thing you can't say about it is is that the can of coca-cola that he held up Right, like the painting of the the imagery that he made in his pop art, Andy Warhol. One thing you can't say is that you can't base epistemic, you can't get an epistemic foundation on that stuff, right? Because it's not it's not saying anything that you can grab onto to say this is true and this is false, right? Like that's that's the one thing you can't do with it is turn it into something epistemic. It it has to remain in the realm of the aesthetic. And so what, what I'm saying is, is that what's starting to happen is, and so, and one of, by the way, one of the touchstones of something being aesthetic is not primarily the medium that is visual, but it's just that it has this quality of communicating to us without saying anything true or false in reality. Like it's not supposed to, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to, and it's not even supposed to say things that are true or false. It's supposed like when you look at the painting, say you're looking at the Mona Lisa, it's supposed to it's supposed to create some emotional or deeper psychic sort of connection with you. It has that impact qua aesthetic, right? But it's not supposed to communicate a truth to you. You're not supposed to say, so the Mona Lisa proves X. It's like, no, the Mona Lisa doesn't prove anything. It doesn't establish anything, but it does have an impact upon you as the viewer. Right? So it's like in the realm of the aesthetics, it is very powerful, right? But it's non-epistemic power. 
And what I'm saying is, is a lot of what's going on online is starting to look like aesthetics in the sense that it has this power to stir things up, to attract a lot of people, to become popular, to get discussed. But they don't know what it's about because they can't know what it's about because it's misinformation and conspiracy. In other words, it's not true. The stuff that they're talking about is not true. And the, the question is like, do they know it's not true? Do they not know it's not true? And it's like, I think it's becoming irrelevant who, like if you could put a kind of braino scan in everyone that believes that, you know, you should cancel somebody that said something that clearly isn't racist, that clearly even, there was a guy at Netflix, and I, you can use right examples as well. I'm perfectly happy with that. I don't care. I keep saying this over and over again. It's like, that's one of the problems with living in America is somebody's constantly trying to figure out, wait a minute, you know, okay, like I'll just use, I'll do it numerically. Five examples from the right, five examples from the left, all equally worthy of lampooning. So nobody can say, oh, okay, yeah, well, um, so yeah, like if so you can say like, well, do they really think that you should like, is like, well, it's not clear because if you're thinking increasingly along, there was, okay, let me finish the example. There was a guy at Netflix who used the N word, but actually spelled it out, like said it, vocalized it in a closed door meeting, deliberately, deliberately distancing himself from the word saying, for us to say this is akin to someone saying the N-word, but he said it. He didn't say the N-word. He said the actual word. And it was in a closed door meeting. And he was deliberately trying to say that the thing he was highlighting was that offensive. In other words, the clear epistemic conclusion is that he thinks that saying the N-word is that offensive because that was his point by way of epistemology, by way of truth. But somebody complained in the meeting and then he got fired. He's like an executive too. He was like really high up. And he got fired for using the word even though everyone knew. Everyone in the room and everyone else that caused the uproar knew that he didn't intend to own the word. In fact, it was the very opposite point he was making. Use versus mention is one of the core concepts in epistemology. It's one of the core concepts. But it didn't matter because aesthetically, he had violated some principle of aesthetics, not truth, right? And not only that, but there was the creation of... <laughs> it was like, I almost want to go so far as like, the, the, not only did he violate some principle of aesthetics, but he forwarded the other principle at work in that movement, which is when you can find something like that and it causes a big stir, ir irrespective of the, the validity of it, right? The truth of it, the epistemic quality of it, right? Then it's a great example because it actually like, it's like, it's like, it's like a shock example. It's like, it's like another example of woke art right? Ah, oh, look, we found a perfect example. It's like, but that, that's not true. Nothing what you're saying comports with reality. 
it's completely denial of reality, of denial of the facts of the situation, denial of what's actually true. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because it's fantastic woke art, basically, right? And and so I think like that, like this and this, but even deeper than these examples, and then you could go into, I suppose, any all the conspiracies on the right, the QAnon stuff, the thing about, I mean, this stuff goes back, right? Like you can pull up the thing about how, Although I think it's actually a fairly recent phenomenon. I was going to say Obama wasn't born in the United States to use one of Trump's favorite tropes. But I think you don't even want to do that because there was this quality before in politics, even five years ago, where people would say falsehoods with the express purpose of having an epistemic impact. Now, I think we've actually reached a stage roughly around 2019, 2020, 2021, We've reached a stage where epistemics are the the actual val the truth itself is becoming an aesthetic idea online, so that it's becoming less and less important what's actually true, and so what when people are saying things they are starting to actually act like the creators of new art, so that it really doesn't fucking matter whether it's true or not because. I can go back to the principle that I was exp- I was espousing espousing earlier that I was trying to say earlier, which is art doesn't have to deal with truth. In fact, it's not supposed to deal with truth. It's not evaluated that way, and it's not constructed that way. It's supposed to have an impact on the on the viewer, and it's, it's notoriously difficult to figure out how that could be different than you know looking at a dead body or something. And of course, the you know avant-garde art played with that, right? So you take music, which is, you know, it's tonal. Well, everything is tonal. I mean, in music, but so when you say atonal music, you're actually making no sense because even dissonance is to- is tonal. There's no such thing as atonal. Everything is a tone. How can you have atonal music? That's just silence. But um. If you have like, but typically, right, you have a resolution in music. If you play a chord, it resolves back to its initial tone, right? So that's what you mean by tonality. So like if you, if you say, if you hit C major and then you make a a major chord with C major, it resolves, they say it resolves back to C major, even though it involves G and E. And so... I think it's G and E. It's been a long time since I've read music, but I used to play. So that the the point is, is that even like in avant-garde and abstract art and avant-garde situations where you have like what they called a tonality incorrectly, but when you have dissonance rather than consonance, so you're not resolving things, you're deliberately leaving these weird spaces where you have a dissonant chords, which are kind of emotionally disruptive. They were calling that art, obviously John Cage and other people, Stravinsky and so on. People would get up and leave the, because it was so disturbing to the ear. And, but the point is, is that you can call that art in a sense, but you can't call it truth. And it's unclear whether you can, some people would say it's not art because art has to be defined a certain way. But then of course it was the entire movement the entire movement in the 20th century was trying to challenge that notion. But so art is notoriously difficult to draw a circle around and you can really push the boundaries of it. But you always know that you're not like people who say that you're expressing propositional truths with art just don't know what they're fucking talking about because that's not how it works. 
if it opens up something for which, like if you, if you are inspired by some art, say the Mona Lisa or the lady with the, what was it? The other one, one of my favorite Da Vinci's, I can't think of it now. If you are inspired by that, then that's one thing, but you're not going to pick up propositional knowledge from it unless it's about painting. So, okay. So that's what I'm basically saying is happening. And the reason this is really bad is that a culture that, well, the reason this is bad is that one of, it's hard to imagine a circumstance where it would be more, you would be, have more difficulty. Like you would like, this is akin to Newspeak or something in Orwell's 1984, right? Where you have, in this case, you have a malicious, right? This is the 10 world controllers idea that conspiracy theorists are always so fond of that. There's somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings. And so in Orwell's novel, you have this totalitarian government which is always at war with these two other fucking thing. You got, that was a brilliant novel on so many levels, but one, but like you have this, you have this totalitarian government that's maliciously and deliberately ensuring that the set of circumstances available to the citizens of the country, like they will not be able to arrive at truth because truth is just constantly and deliberately obfuscated towards a particular end, right? And so I think what people want to do today is say like, that's what's going on today. You have these malicious groups. We've got to stop them. It's sort of like the right thinks that the left are a bunch of Stalinist communists and the, the left thinks the right are a bunch of Hitlerian Nazis and we've got to stop this. And we're playing out the play of the 20th century. We're playing out the idea of the totalitarian monsters, right? But I actually think that we've stumbled into an even bigger problem than the totalitarian monsters, which is everything is presentation. Truth is presentation online now. And so every, the reason that you see everyone playing this game, except for the people that are very careful, right? And here, you know, you could say like, thank God for some traditional media because they're really trying to get at things still. They need to. Somebody somewhere, like you have to have real journalism. And so, you know, I'm talking about The Atlantic and they, like there's things that, that they publish that I just shake my head at, but at the end of the day, you know that they're actually, they, there are facts coming out of their, their publication because they have to. Like somebody has to keep doing this, but more and more of the culture is moving in, over into this idea that truth is just presentation. More and more of the culture is just uninterested in whether what they're saying is actually true. Do you really think we didn't land on the fucking moon? Well, it doesn't matter. It just matters that it's, a, it's, a, it's out there. There are people. They're discussing it. There's images. It's art. It's presentation. You know, do you really think that X? Well, it doesn't really matter that X anymore. That's the point. It's, it's like, it's like the, it's like if narcissism combined with social media platforms and narcissism is like that whole selfie idea is just promoting this idea that there's nothing outside yourself that's worth paying attention to. 
which is, you know, which is why high culture is already dead and it's definitely dead on the internet. Now there's such a thing called high kitsch, which is just, and kitsch is just shitty art. And now it's like high kitsch, which is, oh Lord, what can I say? So yeah, so that's what I want to say. Truth is, truth as pop art. And then, you know, I think it's going to disturb people and I think people will come and say, no, 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 no. Like really we have these monsters. It's like, no, we don't have monsters. The monster is the entire thing. The monster is the entire thing. And what we really, and, and what, what will be the other objections? No, no, no. These people really do believe all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, part of, (laughs) in in a sense, I'm sort of almost self-referentially playing the game. Like, yeah, of course they really do believe it because it's not good art unless, (laughs) unless part of the presentation is the absolute veracity propounded by its bullshit founders, right? No, they don't really believe it. At the end of the day, if you held a gun to all these woke people, they'd say, fuck, I know that it's all bullshit, but it's our bullshit. And maybe they would, maybe they would say, shoot me in the fucking head. That's how much I believe about all this stuff, you know, or I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, is it's becoming less and less relevant what people actually believe and more and more relevant how it's perceived. And the minute you have truth as pop art, or, you know, the minute you have truth as presentation, you've got a major, major fucking problem. It's, it's the opposite of high culture. And by high culture, I mean, that's a term. It's not, I didn't invent that term. It's a term. It's out of use now because it's probably associated with dead white people. But high culture used to mean that people who had... There, there, so first of all, you have to understand that since Marx, we've understood that class distinctions kind of exist because of a failure of an, of, of output, right? So we have class distinctions for reasons that are very, very deeply woven into modern industrial society. It's really hard to get rid of class distinctions as long as you have capitalism. And I'm not saying that I'm a Marxist. I'm saying we have class distinctions for reasons that it's very difficult to see how that they're going to go away because you have to have workers and you have to have owners and so on in capitalism. And once you have that stuff, you're going to have class distinctions. But we have we also have class distinct class distinctions also create the conditions for high culture, which gets into this tricky ground because basically if people if people have enough time they can they have leisure time and if people have leisure time then they can actually get things right they can actually go and study what the smart people have said before and they can put all this work into really kind of putting things together and understanding things instead of just pushing you know being a cog in whatever the industrial wheel is and so on and so so if you have this kind of leisure class Uh, and you know, again, this is tricky and I'm not doing a very good job of this because there's a lot to be said about this on along Marxian and non Marxian lines. But if you have, if you have this conditions for people to actually get thinking, right? Like think of Montaigne, think of Montaigne, right? Um, you like you'll, you can preserve an appreciation for the best that that culture has produced historically and otherwise. So you preserve an appreciation for real art not pop art. You can see the distinction. 
you preserve certainly a distinction between how we know what we know and how we appreciate beauty, the difference between epistemics and aesthetics and so on. But if you start losing culture in this higher sense, that you have people who are maintaining it, right? That you have, there's a standard. You can't like, you know, like you can't say there's no standard in culture. There's no distinction between high and low because then you just don't have culture. High and low will come out one way or another, right? There's no way to actually get, there's no way to have a human culture without making distinctions like this. It will, they'll be made one way or the other. It's just a question of who and how. Um, but so, yeah, so you, when you have an erosion of culture in this sense, high culture, like was the term that used to be used, but just culture, when you have an erosion of culture, one of the last bulwarks is at least we still can tell what's true, <laughs> right? Well, where are we right now? Telling like, right? Like, where are we right now? We can't tell what's true. And what, what I mean is, is that there's one of the huge problems that Biden was pointing out when he said our democracy is in peril is there's an increasing on the pie chart of bullshit. We have this increasing slice of people who can't tell what's fact and fiction. And it's on the right and the left. <coughs> that means it's endemic. It means it's not party politics and simplified shit like that. It's endemic to the actual people, to the country, and maybe to the world. That's my piece. All right, just a little over a half an hour.